Welcome to Studs. I'm Daniel Lazar. Thank you so much for tuning in. Studs explores and honors working. It also honors the life's work of the oral historian and legendary Chicago radio host, Studs Terkel. And in my effort to close the social distance, Studs gives me a chance to check in with my people and take a deep dive into what they do for a buck. I'm wicked grateful that you've dialed into the program. If you dig the mission of Studs and you enjoy our conversations, it would mean the world to me if you would tell a friend or two about Studs. You can tell three. I wouldn't be the least bit bothered by that. You can tell them that there's a bald, anxious dude in Berlin who seeks their support. This episode of Studs features my conversation with Ryan Gellert, my rye guy. Ryan's an HVAC technician who, for reasons he'll share, has kind of become a jack-of-all-trades. He talks about how growing up in a family business shaped his approaches to work, and he walks us through how the patience he learned from his mother, a saint on earth, if I may so anoint her, has helped him to puzzle through complicated technical problems. Now let me tell you, Ryan was actually the first person I interviewed for studs. But I messed up his audio, and it took me forever to puzzle out what I actually did wrong, and it took me even longer to fix it. And while I'm being honest, I'll tell you this. Since Ryan was the first interview I recorded, I might have had a glass of wine, or two, or whatever. Whatever, don't judge, but please do forgive the slurring as the conversation progresses. So send out the galert alert. Here's my chat with the notorious RG. Now recording. You got that fart out of you? Oh, that was a door. Sorry. The doggy needed to go pooping. Can we put that in there? Yeah. No, I think it's important for the our, my audience of nine people to know that you have a dog and that your <laughs> dog poops. In fact, that, symbolically, that might be the perfect way to inaugurate this podcast. <laughs> So look, man, you do, you do a lot of things. I know your, your, your roots are in heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Um, how, do you, how do you describe to people what it is that you do? Well, that's actually becoming more and more of a tricky thing uh, because people want me to do what they want me to do, not what I actually like enjoy doing. I mean, I'd say out of a given week, I probably only do like... 10 to 20 hours of actual HVAC work. The rest of it seems to be things from uh, plumbing to electrical to just hanging a picture on the wall for some of my people. You know, I've gotten into kind of a weird thing where I just stick with people I've worked for as opposed to sticking to the trade. Was that, was that a conscious decision or was that something you kind of stumbled into? I just stumbled into it. I'd say it's more just, um, somewhat of laziness like dealing with new customers and new people is kind of tricky you know it's just there's more involved with it i guess there's more like having to hold hands and all that stuff whereas working for you know the handful of people that i work for uh is just easier in every aspect you know from billing to dealing with the customer to you know getting paid all that stuff it seems like you've built up some real close relationships with your clients on the west side of chicago over the course of the last you know decade or so 
perhaps that has everything to do with it, right? You'd rather work for these people who you've built up trust with than to, than to find new clients. Is that why or how you've become this jack of all trades? Yes, somewhat. I mean, the jack of all trades is more that I've just been doing construction style work for since I can remember because of my father, you know, just because he mainly did heating and air and refrigeration. And I did learn from him that stuff. We also delved into everything else. I mean, we had a big house, we had a tractor, you know, we had many vehicles we had to work on. We had uh, endless projects to deal with really growing up. I'd say between that and, you know, just watching this old house and owning a house and things like that, I've learned how to kind of do whatever I need to, you know? You Did you sort of grow up in an environment of problem solving? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's what my father's been doing forever. So, um, yeah, I mean, and he definitely taught me, I would say the um, problem solving thing. His major thing was always, you know, observe everything you can and and try to just figure out what makes sense. So you just see as much as possible in any situation. And, and, you know, the more you think about it, the more it comes together, you know, it's a puzzle you have to solve. And I've always loved video games and puzzles and stuff like that. So it kind of goes together with that. Did he talk to you about it like that? Was he, uh, I mean, surely he was a model. So he was, I mean, he's a talker. Your pops is sort of infamously a talker. I've known you for a long time. I've known you for for 25 years uh, and I've known your father for all 25 of those years. And I love the guy, complicated dude. Definitely a talker. Big time. Talks and, too much sometimes. <laughs> and so you must have learned a lot from him. Oh, no, most definitely. Yeah. Um, sometimes it was easier for me to figure it out on my own between what he showed me and what the real world showed me. But yeah, I mean, he was always doing that with his employees as well. He was teaching many people how to you know, try to do what he does. And, uh, and definitely the number one thing is just to, you know, kind of see everything that you possibly can. And I will say that as more recently, one of the best things to happen to me and the industry is the uh, smartphone and the, and the photos, you can just take pictures of everything and then, you know, go back and like, if you still, Oh, maybe I thought, you know, I didn't think about this specifically go back to a picture and be like, Oh, right. That, that might've been it. Oh, and YouTube's insane. How um, pretty much anything you want, to do, somebody is trying to teach you how to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the exact right way to do it, but it gives you at least gives you some ideas. Now, did you uh, did you envy your dad's ability to problem solve? He is he is by all accounts a world class problem solver. And as a as a young dude, as a, as a, a six year old or an eight year old or a twelve year old boy, did you? watch your dad and be like, Oh, that's, that's really cool. He, he built, he was able to build a TP or a pool house, or he was able to fix that tractor or was it something you aspire to? Uh, you know, when I was that young, I can't say that. Um, I was kind of a clueless kid. I mean, until high school, I was pretty clueless. So, I mean, I was around it all the time and he let me use the power tools and taught me how to use things, but I can't say that I was just in my own world and just, you know, was, happy to help out once in a while, but more happy to go play with my friends, you know? Yeah. Probably wasn't until the end of high school, maybe where I started to, you know, more appreciate that aspect of things. I would think. What did you come to appreciate at that point in your life to what are you referring? Oh, just his abilities as far as 
problem solving and knowledge and you know how to use tools properly yeah it's he had a he had a small to medium sized refrigeration company an hvac company did you see yourself yeah i mean in high school probably had i want to say a good seven or eight employees at least and then as soon as was that like late late 90s i guess he got really large um and i think at one point he had 35 to 40 employees you being one of them i did it yeah and i i really reflect fondly on uh, my time working with your family working for your family um was there a moment when you're when you decided that you were going to pursue the the hvac path i mean you 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 knew a lot of what you needed to know was there a moment where you're like yeah you know what i'm gonna give it a go so I tried community college. I was never really good at school in general. Never really liked it, I guess. Mainly, probably mainly because of my struggles with, you know, I, I struggled with reading and English comprehension and stuff like that all throughout my childhood. Um, and that unfortunately leads into, you know, history and other aspects of school. So I never really like, so whatever, when I went to community college, I gave it like a year, year and a half, maybe. And, uh, just wasn't for me. So I decided to just get back into the workforce, uh, just figure that whole thing out. And I guess pretty quickly realized that uh, my easiest path there was to be in the trades. Um, So at the time, my father still had the company and was just doing that for a couple of years until I think it was 2003 when uh, the unfortunate um, bankruptcy of the company happened. And then just kind of worked with my father for a couple of years after that, uh, with his remaining, um, you know, customer base that he had built up over the last many years, uh, on a smaller scale, of course, more technic, more tech work and repair work than, uh, installs, which is what the business was doing at the time. We've always been a little, uh, uh, what's the right word <laughs> at each other, at each other's throats. You know, I like to think of uh, Homer and Bart Simpson where you know, <laughs> squeezing the throat a little bit. So we've always had our confrontations and, you know, fights and makeups and all that stuff. And then that kind of fizzled out. I just got sick of dealing with it. And, uh, you know, finally um, just kind of started my own thing in the city and, um, and that's been going really well. Yeah, remarkably successful. What exactly does an HVAC technician do? What is that? So I, I do want to talk about the other you know, side of your job, but for now, what does an HVAC dude do? Uh, well, everything. From, I mean, mainly, mainly repairing systems, you know, because every, unfortunately, every furnace and air conditioner that's made today has parts from China or all over the world that are very cheaply made. And they don't last like they used to. Nothing's built like it used to be, that's for sure. Um, you you won't get 40 years out of a system anymore like you used to. You know, you, you show up to a job, either the air conditioner's not working or the heat's not working, and you go through uh, problem solving. Uh, luckily, a lot of the newer furnaces have onboard diagnostics that kind of point you in the right direction as to what the problem may be. That's, I mean, that's pretty much it. Generally, it's a part that's out or it's a, you know... A, as simple as a, a drain is blocked with, uh, and the water's backing up into the unit or a fan motor's out. And if it's not a completely broken system, you know, a lot of my clients just want me to come and make sure it's good to go for the season. So I change filters. I 
do a double check a couple things, you know, make sure that everything's working the way it's supposed to. You do, you do residential work, you do commercial work. What percent, yeah. about what percent of your HVAC work is commercial work? Uh, you know, now it's, it's a lot more of that because I, I have like five or 10 commercial uh, facilities that I do maintenance for in general, uh, the same, you know, the same places over and over again. So a lot of it is commercial nowadays. And that goes back to mainly just staying with uh, customers that I work for that own multiple properties or multiple businesses or large warehouses or whatever. So how does, when you're going out, uh, when you have a day's worth of uh, HVAC to do, you got to go, you know, uh, repair a refrigerator at a restaurant, or you got to do some maintenance work at a, in a, in a air conditioning system at a bar. Um, how does that day start? What, what time do you roll out of bed? What do you do? And how do you get that thing going? Oh, I'm usually, I try to do nine to five. So I, I say I roll out of bed around eight, um, depending on the day or what's happening. Uh, you know, I'm generally pretty much ready to go from the night before and know what I'm doing. Uh, the next day. So the truck's loaded, whatever I may need, uh, ladders or different tools that I don't necessarily keep on me, which I generally do when I get home from work uh, the day before, you know, grab a beer, go back out to the garage and just kind of get set up, make sure I got everything I need because the brain don't work so good first thing in the morning. Huh. So I find it's a little easier to do all that preemptively when I'm kind of in the throes of it at the end of the day. Um, and then uh, I'll generally prioritize things like, uh, you know, a cooler at a restaurant. I'll get to first thing before they're in the kitchen and in my way or I'm in their way, technically. <laughs> um, so I'll go take care of that. And then, you know, as the day goes on, I usually move toward either my residential customers or whatever just can wait, you know, like if it's a maintenance issue or something like that, where it's the system's working, but I'm just supposed to check it out and make sure everything's good. So I'm always flip-flopping jobs and moving stuff around depending on their priority. You're very much in demand, I imagine. I mean, I've been with you. Um, I, 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 I've, I've had the good, good fortune of spending a lot of time with you. And I know your phone rings a lot. There are a lot of customers that seem to want you right away. And they want to prioritize their thing. You seem to have a knack for the customer service side of this. Can you talk a little bit about that? No, I don't know that I really do. Um, <laughs> and that kind of goes back to why I just work for the people that kind of get it. Cause I don't, I've never liked that. You know, I've waited tables. I've, I worked for Coca-Cola for a while. I've dealt with customers that are unreasonable, let's say. Yeah. yeah. So as far as customer service goes, I, I don't think I've ever been really that strong there. I'm very honest. I think that's why a lot of people uh, want to keep working with me is they trust me. Um, it was one of my father's downfalls as well, because this business is very cutthroat and a lot of guys just rob people because they don't understand what they're doing or, 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 or whatever, you know, just bad people taking advantage of, you know, older people or, or whatever. I sometimes have trouble explaining to people that don't understand what I'm talking about, what needs to be fixed, which is another reason why I just stay with, you know, uh, people I know because they trust me and they just realize like, okay, no, he must, this must have to be done. And they don't complain about it or ask too many questions, I guess. So, huh. so um, you talked about how, uh, you know, you set yourself up for uh, an easy morning by 
taking care of uh, packing the truck the night before. Sometimes you, you come home and it's got to feel good. You put in a good day's work and you, you, you manage to accomplish what you set out to accomplish. Sometimes uh, it's, it's just a grind. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what makes a satisfying day? Like when does it feel good to be an HVAC tech? Uh, just when everything goes right, when the things you try to fix get fixed in a timely manner. I mean, even something as easy as uh, the job I had yesterday, which was something I don't do very often, which is plumbing, but it's a guy I worked for for years and he lives in, you know, lives in LA now. And, uh, one of his tenants, just the shower wouldn't turn off and he had a plumber out cause I told him I couldn't make it there for a while. And the guy told him he had to replace the whole shower valve, like open the tile up rip it all out he just couldn't he couldn't work on it basically so i had like worst case scenario in my head going there thinking that it was going to be a really difficult job and then it couldn't have been easier i I, lowe's had the parts i needed literally i had the valve apart in like 15 minutes i was back from lowe's in 30 minutes and the shower was fixed within like an hour and a half and then it was like oh well there's something else you can do here so i did something else for while i was there because i had half the day planned you know um, so like days like that, it's just when things go right, you know, sometimes on something like that, something could break and I'd be dinking around with it for a couple hours, just trying to get it apart without destroying something. So, and just in general, I guess when, uh, you know, when I'm able to, you know, cause I, I build a good amount of money, uh, every, you know, it's, uh, I'm still less than most contractors that do what I do, but that's cause I don't have the overhead, you know, I'm not, I don't have a fleet of trucks. I don't have a secretary. I don't have a warehouse, all these things. So I can keep my prices low and try to, you know, get savings to people. So I guess when I can bill my full day, you know, eight hours on the clock and get a lot done and feel that I haven't ripped someone off. And, you know, sometimes it just doesn't go that way. And, and people do understand, but sometimes they're like, Oh, this is, this is pretty expensive, but it's like, well, it's some, you know, it's what it takes, you know, there are some people with whom you work that, are, are easy to work with in a perfect world that would be everyone but there are more difficult people to work with does that play in at all to how you choose to charge them sometimes yes at this point there's a lot of work i'm turning down um mainly just because if i don't i'll be working you know 60 hours a week and i'll be miserable and it's unfortunate luckily i found a couple people who are pretty good with like handyman stuff. Cause I'll ha- I have a bunch of people who just want me to like literally do silly stuff around the house uh, and, you know, pay me a hundred dollars an hour to do that. And it's like, I-, I guess I have no problem with it, but I just feel bad. You could totally find someone else to, you know, put a shelf up or something. I'm just turning work down all the time. The people that I don't know, I'm pretty much just like, sorry, I'm just too busy, you know, huh. or I don't get back to them at all. And in fact, the last, it's been really nice. And I- this is the second time I've done this in the last uh, two years, I just let my voicemail stay full. So I don't have to return. <laughs> so I don't have to return calls. Why? Cause strategy. it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to just like call someone back and then they want like free advice over the phone or, you know, there's just not enough time in the day. It's only one of me. I've been saying for a couple of years, if I could clone myself and have like four of me, Oh, that would be amazing. Well, look, this goes back to something I've been trying to thrust on you for many years now. Uh, You and I are about the same age. We're in our mid-40s, although it still pains me to say it. 
And I, you look, I love you. I, I love you. I care about you very deeply. And it, it scares me sometimes that, you know, you could jack up your back or take a fall or whatever. And that's it for you. You know, there's a, you have been re- allergic to hiring anyone. Uh, you have not been able to clone yourself, but right. you, you will take no one but yourself as I an know. employee. Well, I know. Yeah. Uh, only, you know, and it's really only because I saw my father struggle with it for so long. He just worked so hard just dealing with him, other employees, you know, between callbacks because they didn't fix something properly uh, to just them not showing up for work one day or, or you know, complaining about something else. So I, I, it's just such a headache to like, and, and the real problem is half the time I don't need anyone else. You know, it's only like, it's only like half a week that I would like actually use another person. So uh, it's so intermittent, but I, I do need to do it because as you said, getting older, I definitely don't need to be schlepping heavy tools in and out of buildings up and down stairs because right now at the end of the day, I'm just beat, you know, come home, drink a beer and sit on the couch for the rest of the night. Like, I don't feel like doing anything after a long day's work. So I, I did HVAC with you when I was in my early twenties and I was, um, in, in, in very good shape and, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, I would, I'd lug sheet metal. I'd be pretty, I'd feel pretty good about it. By the end of the week, I mean, Thursdays and Fridays were a slog and sitting in the truck, sitting in traffic and getting out and having a, you know, hump sheet metal. And I was 20, I was in my 20, I was 20, 20, 22. Yeah. I could not imagine doing it now day in and day out. Let me ask you this. Do you feel any inspiration to share with a young, eager person some of the knowledge that you've developed the same way your father shared it with you? I mean, taking on something like an apprentice. Yeah, most definitely. I need to do it for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. I keep saying that. It's been a couple of years and I just like every time I feel like I have a little time off, I don't want to deal with it. You know what I mean? one of these days I'll get there. I got to find the right person. You know, I think that's another thing is like, it's really hard to find that person that wants to learn and is eager to go to work every day, you know, and I wouldn't have to deal with like waking them up in the morning or picking them up or, you know, uh, just, just something else, another headache to deal with basically, you know, I would love to teach somebody um, some skills. And I always kind of like jokingly thought, Oh, one of my, buddy's kids maybe one day you know like they'll be old enough and i'll take them out in the summers because that's kind of how i learned like uh in the, you know when school was off in the summer in high school I'd, I'd go uh my uncle worked for the company as well and he would do installs and i'd work with him you know 12 hour days and a hot summer day we do a couple of uh, installs or whatever uh learned a lot of stuff so you learned uh, about the electric light orchestra and the brothers oh, johnson not to mention that as well yes many uh Sure. Yeah, man. Uncle Walt was a big, uh, big influence on in your musical taste. I remember when he brought, when he, when he brought the brothers Johnson to our attention in 1993 or something. Uh, I believe the album was yes. right on time. And, uh, yes. it was a game changer for us Jamiroquai fans. Right. I was going to say it was because we were listening to Jamiroquai and he's like, Oh, all you need is the brothers Johnson. You know, <laughs> 
I want to hypothesize, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to ask the question. What's your attitude towards your work? How do you describe the way you tackle that beast? Well, I would honestly say that it's day to day. Uh, some days I'm in a great mood. I mean, just like anybody else, right? I mean, it's whether you slept right or you're just tired from the day before or uh, whatever. So, you know, I don't know. I just kind of get up and go in the morning. I try not to think about it too much, get into <laughs> it. And then, you know, worst case, you have one of those like mental health days and you just call it off and say, sorry, it's not an emergency. Uh, I'm going to push you off, you know? Yeah. Do you um, like it? I, yes. Yes and no. I mean, some days I'm, I, I'm annoyed and it's just like, oh, you know, another one of these days where I'm like running around like an idiot trying to solve everyone's problems. But then when I, you know, when I really think about it, I, I do well, I make good money. I feel blessed. Um, and I try to reiterate that to myself um, when I do feel that way, you know? It's good. I'm, I'm in the truck. I'm by myself. I'm driving around the city. So worst case, I just, you know, go get some tacos and listen to some sports radio or something stupid and just kind of forget about things and, you know, try to realize there's more important things than work and it shouldn't get on your nerves so much. You know, I like to think actually traffic is what gets me going the worst when I'm driving around and all these idiots are on the road cutting me off. But, uh, so I just try to remember like, Oh, I'm charging somebody for this. I'm driving to a job, you know, I got to take it easy, slow it down a little bit. Yeah. Part of my interest in your attitude about your work is that I find that when I have to solve those types of problems, construction problems, um, applied science problems, I get in a headspace that's unlike other headspaces. Today, I was trying to fix my, my daughter's bike. Uh, okay. The, the 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 handbrake on their bike was the, the the throw on the brake was too long. I didn't realize it, and she damn near got turned into a tortilla by a a work truck the other day. Oh and no! So I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should fix that. You know. So I've never done this before. I mean, I know my way around a bike. Uh, I'm, I, you know, on some level, when I have to repair something or construct something, I get into a, a different headspace and I don't think it's a good one. How does one maintain their best instincts and their best attitude when they're trying to solve these really, you know, frustrating and in many ways, deeply complicated problems? Um, well, I guess that's the first step is don't get frustrated <laughs> because that's not going to help anything. Uh, I mean, I do it, you know, it happens. It's human nature. I think like when I'm working on something that I have no clue what I'm doing, which happens often because I feel like I'm always working on something that I've never seen before. Yeah. You just kind of got to tinker around with it until you figure it out. You know, it might take three times longer than you thought it would, but uh, you just have to stay patient and try to problem solve, you know, one thing at a time. What's the key to patience? I, a part of it's just your, 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 you know, your predisposition. You're a smooth, cool guy. You are decidedly patient, but I think there's more to it. What's the key to maintaining patience and calm? That's a, that's a deep philosophical question. Uh, we got there. We got there. We did that. <laughs> I don't know that I have the answer to it besides just doing it, you know? Um, and I can't say even, I even practice it well all the time. Everybody's different. Some people just can't do it. 
I don't even know where I got it from because I feel like my father has zero patience. I, I would agree. Um, so it must be from my mother's side because she's very patient. She's been with my father for almost 50 years. <laughs> Maybe that's it. The answer, to, the answer to the question is have a world-class mother. You know, you have there a you world-class mother. Well, or father, but one yeah. of them should be patient and one of them shouldn't. And then you'll turn out kind of in the middle somewhere. <laughs> awesome. Um, you know, you definitely need patience to, to do that job and, and, and you have it. And you have it in spades. You've been putting up with me for 25 plus years. So, you know, you must be patient. Oh, yeah. But, you're, you're, you're a pleasure to be around. Yeah, I'm a real doll. Is there another aptitude that you wish you could refine to m- somehow make you better at your work? Yeah, I mean, it would probably go back to my, my school. I mean, I, so I have, I have, I've always had problems. Um, you know, writing and articulating. So that, that kind of goes into my billing and all of my, you know, all the like, I guess, office work I have to do. Um, which that's probably the aspect of the job I dislike the most. Um, which is another reason why I stick with customers that I, that I know and trust. Um, I don't have to bill them every day. Um, I just kind of keep a, you know, keep a tally on a bill and bill them once a month or whatever. And, uh, you know, a lot, I see a lot of guys that have, they like write out, you know, everything they did and like make a, make a serious invoice that shows all that. Um, and I've just always been bad at that side of things. So I guess mm. that would be nice to change. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm probably the worst speller on the planet. Um, I probably couldn't beat your daughter in a spelling bee. Well, you have like a certain, I, t- please I, forgive me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but you have a certain, is it a certain type of dyslexia? I, I assume so. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, when I was growing up, I had a horrible time reading and I had to do a bunch of like summer classes to, uh, to kind of fix that. The reading's gotten a lot better. Um, but I always had a, a you know, just like everybody else, I have a deficit, you know, attention disorder or whatever, where paying attention gets, you know, I could sit there and read and I'll start thinking about something else. I'm sure it happens to everybody. Turning the brain off is a little tricky, you know, going to sleep, trying not to think of something or think about work the next day or something I have coming up that week, which is another thing I know he always had struggled with um, being a business owner in general. Um, is just trying to distance yourself from it when you're not actually working. It's uh, it kind of makes me proud to hear you say it. I mean, my buddy RG is decidedly a business owner, right? Like you're, you took the risk, you bought the equipment, you're in the game, you own the business, and that's beautiful, but it comes at the expense of some of uh, some sleep, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, that comes and goes. You know, right now is definitely probably not the best time to think about it because of everything that's going on in the world, but it's kind of, it's, it's kind of that feeling almost, um, just a general anxiety about things, I guess. I, uh, yeah, I identify with that. I, uh, I got some, I got some generalized anxiety. In fact, I have, I have wondered if I have some sort of a generalized anxiety disorder. If I do, I'd like to think that I, uh, deploy my anxieties towards a greater good, but, uh, I'm not sure if that's always true. I, I honestly don't know how you couldn't have anxiety with the world and the state it is today. Yeah, man. Well, I take a lot of solace uh, in knowing that there are people like you in the world, and I uh, 
and that I have old friends that I can count on for conversations like this. And uh, Hey, but that's not what we're here to talk about. I, it is, it is <laughs> a, uh, um, a benchmark of this podcast here to ask you for one uh, professional triumph. Like one time that like you, you somehow overcame the odds and you, you nailed it. And one failure, it could be a laughable failure. It could be a sad failure. Give it to me in no particular order. Yeah. Uh, I, so as far as a triumph, I guess maybe the house, like everything I've done in the house has been pretty insane and it's all come out really well. Um, for, 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 for our, our 13 listeners now, I think we're up to 13. Uh, <laughs> RG here basically built the house from the ground up. So far as I could tell, like the structure existed, but it doesn't look anything like it did. Yeah. We, we when, bought a, a really cheap house that needed a lot of work. And uh, we've basically new kitchen, new bathroom, new mechanicals, new backyard, new garage, and some flowers. <laughs> and some flowers. Yeah. Some <laughs> uh, pavers in the back and planter beds and a deck, you know, and I had a lot of help. All my friends helped out. I have a carpenter buddy who helped the internet helped immensely just figuring out how to do some things. Um, so that, I mean, that it's a triumph for sure. Dude. I think so. Yeah. And um, you get to enjoy it every day more so now than ever because we can't go anywhere, <laughs> but, um, give me the failure failure. You ever fall off a roof? Uh, oh, I guess it would be an injury. So I burned my legs really bad. It was at uh, Independence Grove, which was a forest preserve job that we were doing uh, up north. It was a Monday morning. We used to start at 6 a.m. So we'd literally be on the job site. It would still be dark out. You couldn't see anything. Uh, it was in the middle of winter, too. So it was cold. There were no, like, the building wasn't finished yet. We were putting ductwork up. And uh, we just had these propane heaters everywhere. And, you know, I think I was a little foggy, maybe from uh, partying a little too much. This is back when I was still early 20s. And it was kind of a beautiful job site because we were in a forest preserve, like overlooking this lake. So as soon as the sun would come up, it'd just be like, you'd be in awe, you know, just like a beautiful landscape to be working in. This was probably the third or fourth week I had been on that job. And it was cold, really cold. So I had gotten some new, uh, I think I went to, I don't know, Dick's sporting goods or something. And I bought some like really fancy long johns to put under my work pants. And, uh, I don't know, it was probably eight thirty, nine o'clock that morning. And I was just, I was freezing. I was working in another part of the building where the heaters weren't, uh, really getting to. So I came over by the heater and I was just kind of trying to warm up and going through some tools with it, like behind me. And the next thing I know, flames i'm seeing flames behind me and i'm like what the hell so i like run away from it not knowing that it's me on fire my my pants lit on fire so i immediately made about 10 feet and then like got on you know stop drop and roll and i'm trying to put it out and it won't go out and luckily one of my dad's uh fellow employees this guy mike uh who's always a very nice guy he came over and like threw his jacket on me and put it out meanwhile i was still kind of in shock so it didn't really start hurting yet but they were all like, you got to go to the doctor. So we jump in a van and they drive you to the hospital. I didn't realize the long johns I bought were not cotton. They were made of polyester. So the polyester melted to my skin. Ugh. 
and it was like on the back of my legs, like, uh, right, right above my knees. And, uh, they had to, yeah, I was in the hospital morphine shot, you know, the full works. I had like little spots of second degree burns. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't work for like, I mean, and it was, that was horrible. It was like a solid month where I was just on, uh, hydrocortone and just felt horrible. I mean, I had to, t- I'd get headaches if I didn't take the medicine, you know, take the painkillers after being on those for a month, my brain was just like mush and I hated it every second of it. So that was definitely a big fail. Yeah. <laughs> that was the worst injury I've ever had. And thus began your long history with heroin. I kid, right. but like, yes, I, you know, I was prescribed hydrocodone also in my twenties. And of course this is before it turned into this epidemic. And like, I was, oh, you, know, yeah, you remember I jacked up my back real bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, and I was, ta- I was popping those things like nobody's business because the doctor, I, I, as prescribed, don't get me wrong. Yeah, they were over-prescribing them for sure. But my psychological well-being, by the way, you might not know this. I, I was taking those pills um, to the extent to which it undermined my psychological homeostasis. And I felt so um, frustrated and lost and like, I, I want to say depressed, though I'm not comfortable using that term. And I just felt so discomforted that that's when I decided I needed to leave the country. Oh, I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. And that, like, that threw me over the edge. That was in um, November of 2004, and I was on the the, the hydros, hydrocodone, heroin, as they they might call it. And I immediately, like, I got my resume together. And in February, I went to this meat market job fair in Boston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I took the job in Barcelona. All jacked wow. up on, all jacked up on hydro, <laughs> hydrocodone. And then I got to Barcelona and uh, I stopped driving a car. So, you know, sitting in cars was always awful for my back. So the back pain went away. They didn't prescribe that stuff there because like, why would you? Yeah, that wasn't the point um, of your story, but we both in our twenties uh, got uh, a little oh, that stuff ripped out on like hydrocodone. I, I've done a good amount of drugs in my life and drinking and stuff, and that stuff messed my brain up more than anything in one month. Than anything, I've never felt like that. Like my brain just felt gray. Like I couldn't. It just wouldn't work right. I don't even know how to explain it. You know, like and when you wake up in the morning, right? Like the like the morning grogginess is like. It's it's like you wake up with a sense of despair. And the thing is, I had, I mean, I'll tell you how just, you know, foolish I am. I had, I didn't connect one thing to the other because I was doing what the doctor said to do. You know, like it didn't, it right. didn't dawn on me that I had this dependency on this, you know, lethal drug, which I, I suppose is good for some things, but it wasn't the right thing for me. Uh, I tried to stop taking them, but I would get headaches from the actual pain. I had tried to stop taking them and I was at uh, a, uh, a video store bent over to pick up a DVD from the bottom shelf and the pain ran up my back so hard that I passed out and I hit my, my hit my head on this, like the, you know, the carpeted oh cement. It was so humiliating, you know, the employee came up to me and like, I, you know, I kind of like came to, and there's this like, you know, 20 year old kid who's like, should I call an ambulance? I'm like, no, 
<laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. How do I look? But it was, I mean, it was so humiliating. One of my great many humiliations, some of which you've borne witness to. I've seen a couple of them, but nothing like, I mean, that's more of a medical issue. <laughs> most, most, most of ours were self-induced, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Is there someone that you know, maybe that we know that I should pursue in my little podcast project here? You know, I, I was always very interested in what Jason Teplitz did with the uh, web security stuff. Yeah. Uh, only because it impacts us on such an everyday basis. He kind of tried to talk me into um, becoming an engineer for these systems because he thought that I had the right brain for it and that yeah. most of his employees didn't because they were all book smart and didn't know how to use a screwdriver. I would love to use this podcast as an opportunity to reconnect with Tappy. I mean, we get, you know, we text back and forth on occasion. Yeah. Are you proud of what you do? Yeah, for sure. I remember the years we worked together and uh, that cast of characters your father had around at the shop. Um, yeah, he, he always found them. I don't know how. I don't know how. He that was back before people. the internet, too. <laughs> if he could have done background checks, I can't imagine he would have hired any of those people. Yeah, he wouldn't have hired me, that's for sure. I've always felt pretty lucky that I, I, I found a job that somehow speaks to my values and my interests and my, my, my skill set, like my very, like my very limited skill set. And, uh, my sense is you've done the same and, and so you can be proud of what you do. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for, for, uh, for talking with me. I can't tell you how fulfilling this was like you and I have, over the years had so many I mean, conversations. We, sh we should have been recording our phone calls this whole time. I can't believe putting them we, online. I wish we just would have recorded our whole friendship. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm wicked grateful that you were able to come on, walk us through it. Um, you know, I'm crazy about you. Right. And so this was real fun for me. And uh, I hope, uh, I hope you had a chance to say what you wanted to say, man. All right, buddy. Till next time. Love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Bye. All righty. So there you have it. What was supposed to be the inaugural episode of Studs, my dive into the working life of Ryan Gellert. Totally crazy about that guy. You probably are by now, too. So subscribe. Leave a comment. Leave a review. And come on now. Share Studs with your people. Take care, y'all.